This is episode 100 of the What Book Hooked You podcast. I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. On this, our first three-digit podcast, I'm happy to have Corinne Callender on the program. Their book, This is Kind of an Epic Love Story, comes out on October the 30th. It was great talking to Corinne about the stories that influence theirs and also growing up trying to find books and stories in which they could find themselves in. So listen in. So Corinne, what book hooked you? When I was younger, my mom would read to me almost every single night uh, since the time I was a baby. So thanks to her, I've always had this um, uh, books have always just been a huge part of my life. So um, I actually have like a lot of memories of all my favorite picture books and board books, but I think the answer I'll give is when um, I was about nine or ten, I think, she started reading Animorphs to me. Okay. And I think that was the first major uh, series that she read where I remember I was like literally screaming and jumping up and down in joy because that was the first time I'd seen the main character in a book that uh, looked like me. I'm trans and I use him or they them pronouns now, but when I identified as a girl, uh, Cassie was the first time I'd ever seen a, her- a heroine that was a black girl. So mm. um, I was super pumped and super excited, and that really meant the world to me. It's funny. Animorphs recently came up when I interviewed uh, Abdi Koram. That was actually his book that hooked him. Yeah. I know that it was that's in- <laughs> That was a huge coincidence because I was looking at his podcast earlier and I was like, oh, that's my, that's going to be my answer also. So that made me super happy. That's great. And I hope that we get a chance to talk about his book later <laughs> because I just read it maybe a couple of days ago. Yes. And so... It's absolutely incredible. When you uh, were a reader, uh, you know, Animorphs, you had that and, and you know, again, that was, that was, uh, you know, something that you said, you know, you could identify yourself and, and of course those were just a very popular series and I, and I guess there's like tons and tons of them, but outside of that series, do you remember other books that were kind of around then that you like really disliked or like you tended to kind of shy away from, you didn't really kind of see what the hype was all about? You know, I think that, um, it's funny because I, so loved Animorphs because of Cassie and because that was the first time I saw myself represented. But I think um, just because it wasn't like the, the book, the series didn't really focus on her identity. So I didn't feel mm. like I was being handed a book that was mm. about um, specifically a black girl. And so this is what it meant to be black or anything like that. So I think that I tended to shy away from whenever someone was handing me a book that just felt very clearly like this, there's a message in it and it's mm-hmm. for like black girls mm. and it, it's ironic because um, I say it's ironic because right now those are the books I think that are the most important like I'm able to look back now and see the importance and I think I'm the kind of person to maybe hand those books to children but at the time I think I remember really just wanting to see a heroine where the story didn't necessarily focus on her identity mm-hmm I'm not going to name any books, but I just remember having like that kind of feeling for for some of them. And so when you uh, got older, uh, more into your teenage years, when you could more or less 
you know, you could have gone to the bookstore, gone to the library, picked out and been more selective uh, with what you were going to read as opposed to what a parent gave you. Uh, were there any books that really stood out that you gravitated towards as a young adult? I was definitely on the lookout for queer books. Um, I was very shy about it and kind of afraid to, um, so I wouldn't necessarily do that in public. I would kind of look for uh, queer books online and see um, if there were any YA or teen books that had queer characters, and then I would uh, kind of like either order it or, um, yeah, because I was on an island, we didn't really have a lot of access to you know, there's no, like, Barnes & Noble or anything sure. from St. Thomas. So there was no Barnes & Noble, no Borders, no bookstores like that. We had one bookstore called Dockside Bookstore, which shut down um, a few years ago. So I would basically just order all of those books through there. Um, I remember Rainbow Boys was one of them. Um, I was also kind of, like, into anime and manga, so I'd find some queer stories through that as well. And at what point, uh, when you're kind of taking in these books and these stories, did you kind of come up with the idea or this dream, however you want to form it, uh, to create stories of your own? So fan fiction was a huge part of my journey also. Um, I think that that's actually the first time I ever saw a queer story. Uh, it was maybe like an anime called Gundam Wing or something. So it was through fan fiction that I started writing myself. So I would start to write um Harry Potter fan fiction, uh, some queer stories through that, queer stories through different anime manga. I want to say that fan fiction is um, pretty important, even though some people mm. might not necessarily feel it is, just because that was, for me, and I know a lot of people in my generation kind of like the safest access to those sorts of stories, like queer stories where you wanted to see yourself reflected, but didn't necessarily feel safe picking something up in a bookstore um, or in a library. So um, it was through fan fiction I started to write for the first time, and I think it was maybe more so around college where I felt safer trying to write um, my own queer stories. And, you know, because fan fiction many times uh, can be, I'll just say, you know, that gateway into writing, and it's, and it's a very safe way to do so because you get to explore using someone else's characters and settings. Mm -hmm. And at what point did you, was there a course or a book that made you want to branch off and say, it's time for me to kind of uh, create my own characters, my own settings and situations, and really uh, communicate and say the things I want to say through that? Uh, I think it was, so I was writing on fanfiction.net, and I think that one of the uh, stories I posted, someone actually um, put a review and said that this could be its own novel, and maybe you should consider writing your own original stuff. So that was the first time I feel like someone actually told me that, and I must have gotten the courage um, to try myself right after that. Um, it was I attended Sarah Lawrence College uh, in mm -hmm. Westchester, and I was taking a class on kind of like the history of fair literature. And I think that around then is when I started to try to uh, write stories about, write my own original fiction about kind of like queer history. And I attempted uh, my own original novels. And then as I started to read more YA, I kind of uh, drifted into the YA path a little bit more. And do you remember what those 
initial books uh, that were in the category of YA that you first uh, came upon during this time? Yes, sir. Um, there was Boy Meets Boy was definitely one of the first ones I read and absolutely loved. And that actually had a huge impact on uh, what I decided to write for this kind of an epic love story because that was the first time I'd read, especially right after taking my uh, career literature course, um, where basically there was nothing but misery and pain and death. And that was the entire theme of uh, queer history. Boy Meets Boy was the first time I read a book uh, where queer, queerness wasn't necessarily the main conflict or it didn't really bring all of the main characters mentioned. So that it had a very huge impact on me. Hmm. And so you mentioned uh, Boy Meets Boy having a very uh, big impact on this is a kind of ep- an epic love story, uh, which mm-hmm. comes out on October 30th. So let's talk about that and start off by telling me what this book's about. So this is kind of an epic love story is a rom-com where main character Nathan Bird doesn't believe in happy ending, even though he is a film buff and an aspiring screenwriter. Um, he doesn't believe in happy endings because his father had passed away and left his mom to unravel. Um, and his ex-girlfriend, who was his best friend, who'd broken up with him, kind of broke his heart. So Nate doesn't necessarily believe that happy endings are possible, but then his old crush from when he was a kid, Oliver James Hernandez, returns to town. So um, Nate kind of has to come to terms with whether he's willing to try to be in a relationship with Oliver or not. And so you mentioned that Boy Meets Boy was one uh, book that really influenced this uh, new story of yours. Was there any other maybe initial idea when it came to this uh, particular story that you wanted to tell that kind of got you thinking and got you exploring uh, these characters? Yeah, you know, there were two books that, um, two other books that also really inspired me. So Aristotle and Dante discovers the secret of the universe or discover the secret of the universe was, um, absolutely incredible and beautiful and I think that was one of the first times I saw queer people of color especially have their own happy endings and I think that really stuck with me as well um, and then I read Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda of course uh, which is really wonderful um, romantic comedy and that was the first time I saw a love interest that was a queer person of color so I think that all of those books including um, Boy Meets Boy kind of got my wheels turning and made me start to think how great it would be to see kind of like a combination of all three where you see queer people of color with uh, who get happy endings, who don't necessarily have to deal with racism or homophobia, um, where the main conflict doesn't center on those and mm. where you get to see them just kind of like in a fun rom-com situation. Mm. So uh, that's why I wanted to, to write this is kind of an epic love story. That's great. And so this is your... Uh, YA release, but were there others as you kind of uh, navigated your way through YA and through your own writing? Were there other attempts, other manuscripts uh, that you worked on uh, over the years uh, that, you know, never kind of got across the finish line? So many, so, so many. Um, I think I first started out kind of like rewinding back to um, my college days. I did take that career literature course. Um, where I was uh, kind of very influenced to write a lot of different queer stories. And I tried to write 
uh, actually, you know, what was the beginnings of my uh, middle grade hurricane child. Um, so, you know, a lot of the things that I wrote end up going in the drawer, but I did end up going back into the drawer and kind of pulling out um, different snippets and ideas and different characters and settings. But let's just say there's definitely a lot in the drawer, maybe like 10 years worth of stuff. Mm. And you mentioned uh, Hurricane Child, which was your debut uh, that came back, that came out back in the spring. So you kind of have almost a six month period between uh, the two books coming out. So what has that been like? Uh, your first novel, which was middle grade, and now your first YA novel uh, coming out kind of back to back. Was it almost easier that way? Was it more hectic uh, having both books and, and kind of juggling them, being that they were so close? Uh, what was what has that experience been like so far? It's definitely been hectic. It was, um, you know, uh, Hurricane Child was actually a really difficult um, release for me because it came out right around the time of the hurricanes that hit mm-hmm. St. Thomas um, in the Virgin Islands in Puerto Rico. Um, Irma and Maria, Maria hit St. Thomas on my birthday, September 19th. Wow. So um, I'm, I think that even though I wasn't on the island, my family was, and I had a bit of PTSD that I never quite dealt with, and I'm only now kind of starting to explore, um, where I just didn't want to talk about the book. I had a really difficult time connecting with the book because it is about the hurricanes, and it is um, so connected to even just the story and myself, because a hurricane child is someone who is born during or right after a hurricane, and I was born right after Hurricane Hugo, and the whole concept of that is that you're kind of followed all of your life by um, kind of like negativity and So basically that was just a really turbulent time, and I never really uh, focused on the book quite as much, and I think it was easy to not do that because I was also working in publishing at the time, mm-hmm. so I had a full-time job that I was thinking a lot about. But now that I've recently left, my job and publishing um, and I'm focusing quite a lot on this kind of an epic love story which is very upbeat and happy and positive and happy endings and et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's been really fun trying to uh, get the book out there and I think I'm, I'm about to go back home to St. Thomas for the first time in about two years and I'm excited to also start talking about Hurricane Child again now that enough time has passed. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like it was almost a blessing you wouldn't know you needed that you have, this is kind of an epic love story, uh, to come out that is much more of a a fun book, like you said, from Hurricane Child and everything that ended up surrounding that. Uh, so it's kind of neat how that worked out, I guess. Yeah, I would say so. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. And so you mentioned that you were working in publishing. What kind of insight did that kind of give you when it came to your own writing and your own sort of journey uh, to becoming a published author? It gave me quite a lot of insight. In some cases, maybe too much insight. Mm. Um, I do know that a lot of people would like to know if, you know, if they are a writer, whether they would want to work in publishing. And there's so many pros and cons. And my biggest advice would be um, to realize that when you're working in publishing, you have the, 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 uh, you know, the craft and love and so many different people's stories in your hands and you really, um, those books need to come before your own. Mm-hmm. Like 100%. Like I would never want to have for my own book someone who 
isn't necessarily putting their all into it because they're focusing on something else, you know. So you have to kind of think of it that way. Um, so because of that, you know, uh, not to say that I didn't have a, a, a good time with the authors I was working on. I was so honored to be working with them and learn so much from them. Uh, but I, I definitely had to put my writing to the side. A lot of days where I should have been writing to meet my own deadlines or editing or focusing on my craft, I was um, editing other people's books, which I, you know, again, was a huge honor. Um, but you do have to put your own writing to the side. But, you know, the pro is, of course, you get to be in a room listening to people discuss the market and you start to think a little bit more about your own book um, in the way that a publishing company might and your own concepts and ideas and what um, might be considered exciting to a company. Uh, again, there, it could go on forever about this, sure. but there are cons to that also because then when you're writing your own book, you start to not be able to turn off that little publishing committee in your head because you can hear people say, and I can hear to this day, I still, I need to remind myself to turn it off because I can um, get just a little bit too uh, distracted when I'm trying to write a book. I'll suddenly start to hear a, a committee in my head say, you know, this isn't going to be as marketable mm -hmm. or this is going to be um, too much of a comp to this, this or this. Mm -hmm. or And I think that for writers, it can be good to just turn that all off and just let your um, story flow the way that it's meant to. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then, like, I'm wondering, between uh, trying to juggle your writing and then having had a job where you were having to read and edit other people's work, did that leave you a lot of time to read for fun, read for pleasure? I'm moving to Philadelphia in a couple of weeks, and I have maybe 20 boxes worth of books I've never gotten the chance to read, but I've been collecting them for the past five years. Um, it, that was probably the worst part of working publishing was just not having the time to read uh, the books of people that I really, really wanted to read. So many different um, amazing books have been coming out, and I've just been only able to focus on reading submissions or editing um, books that I, was, that I had managed to acquire. So now that I've left, I've suddenly had all this time and I've been able to read. Like I read Tide by Evie Zavoy, which was absolutely incredible. As I was saying before, um, Sorry, It's the Great Is Not Okay by the Forum, also incredible. So I've just been, that's probably been the, yeah, that's been the best part of having left, mm -hmm. I think, is really having the time to read all of the books I never was able to read before. And so uh, with this new book that's coming out, this is kind of an epic love story coming out on October 30th. You know, what are your kind of hopes? What do you want uh what is maybe not necessarily the message, but what do you want your readers to come away with uh, when they get finished with the book? I did write, this is kind of an epic love story for um, everyone. I do want anyone to be able to pick it up and read it and enjoy it and love it. But I did write this uh, very specifically for uh, queer people of color because I don't think that we've been able to see ourselves in movies or TV shows or books before um, in this kind of way where a rom-com where we get to have fun and we get to fall in love and we get to have that happily ever after. Um, a lot of our stories have focused a lot on our pain, um, our marginalization. And it, after a while, it becomes like almost this brainwashing effect where your identity uh, almost feels like it brings you pain and, mm -hmm. you know, the kind of like prejudice that you're seeing in an everyday life, the racism and homophobia we already have to deal with 
it's, it's almost like a bit of a self-care, this book. Um, I decided to write it for a break from that world that I already have to deal with on a daily basis, um, but also to kind of remind uh, great people of color, especially, that we are beautiful and we are worthy of love stories and we are, um, it is possible to have our own happily ever afters. That's wonderful. So I guess that's a good place to kind of start wrapping up. And so a few questions as we do so. First question is, what is your favorite movie that's based on a book? I have a really hard time answering this. Um, I do. I haven't watched The Hate You Give yet. I know it just came out. Yes. I really want to see it. I have not watched The Rich Asians yet. I really want to see it. I love Love, Simon. Um, but recently, I've been really obsessed with TV shows. Is it okay to talk about that? Sure, yeah. Or does it have to be a movie? Yeah, it's fine. Um, I recently watched absolutely nothing to do with rom-coms or happy endings, but Sharp Object mm. really blew me away. Um, it was so slow going, so slow paced. I heard that it was absolutely incredible. So every episode I was watching, be like, okay, yeah, this is fine. Yeah, this is okay. I'm not sure why it's amazing, but I guess I'll keep watching. Interested, but not really super invested in it. And then the last three seconds, destroyed me literally just the last three seconds and i just i just kind of want everyone to watch it just for the last three <laughs> seconds absolutely that's great next question is is there a book or a series of books that you've either never read or never finished um series of books that i've never read or never finished i did not finish game of thrones okay um i started it because I wanted to know what everyone was talking about, but I had a really hard time with the gore of the TV mm-hmm. show, and I thought it was a little too scary, so I wanted to read it so that I could know what was happening. Um, the second book was a little slow. A lot of people will admit that, um, so I stopped reading, and then I just decided to go ahead and watch the show anyway. I had a bunch of nightmares, but it was a bit. Great. And then finally, what is the last great book that you've read? Uh, the last one was Darius. But Darius the Great is not okay. Um, yeah, it was a really important book. I, it was absolutely beautiful. Um, uh, basically, I, I had not such a great night. I was feeling quite down about myself. Um, had quite a lot of anxiety and just happened to pick up the book. And it really... Uh, there is the kid's not okay. It really just kind of helped me through it all by showing me a character who was um, kind of dealing with everything that I was struggling with and just offered so much beauty. And I, I mean, one of the greatest lines that I've ever read was, um, uh, your place is empty, which kind of just has the idea that you were missed before you had gotten here. It's kind of like this innate idea that everyone belongs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's an absolutely incredible book. Well, this is kind of an epic love story. It comes out on October 30th. Uh, Corinne, I just want to thank you for joining me, and I wish you uh, the best on this book and uh, Hurricane Child. And that does it for this episode. Special thanks to Corinne Callender for joining me. Their newest book, This is Kind of an Epic Love Story, comes out on October the 30th, and I hope you'll check it out. Thank you for tuning in to our 100th episode. I hope you'll go back and check out the 99. 
and you'll be with me for the next 100. I'm Brock Shedley, and until next time, keep reading.